Hello, and welcome to the Expect a Miracle podcast with Richard Roberts. I'm your host, and I'm so glad today to have an opportunity to share with you, and welcome. My very special guest today is my longtime friend, pastor and founder of the Bill Prankard Evangelistic Association up in Ottawa, Canada, my good friend, Bill Prankard. Bill, God bless you, and welcome to the podcast today. Richard, I am so glad to be with you. It's, it's amazing, and thank God for you, your ministry. I mean, your ministry has inspired me from a child. First of all, your father, of course, and then you. And um, uh, we just love you and Lindsay. We love what you're doing and we're cheering you on. Well, thank you so much. You and Gwen started out pastoring, didn't you? Well, we did. You know, I, um, uh, it was amazing. I was brought up um, Baptist and, um, you know, there's many kinds of Baptists and um, we were the dead kind. Um, <laughs> so so I, I didn't know. I mean, I knew all about God. I, I figured I was a Christian. And then at 18 in a Pentecostal church, I met Jesus, mm -hmm. changed my life, of course. Then two weeks later, filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. And then shortly after that, God called me in the ministry. Mm -hmm. And so we went to Bible school and um, you know, we studied there. Um, we're, we're part of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, which is sister to Assemblies of God. Yes. And uh, uh, so I learned all about Holy Spirit and I'd received the baptism. And then we went to pastor for, you know, several years. And, um, you know, I always believed, I believed in the person of Holy Spirit. I believed in uh, healing and uh, because your dad planted that seed in mm -hmm. both Gwen and I, my wife and I, when we were kids watching the tent pardon me, the tent meetings, you know, the black and white television and, and planted something in our hearts, wanted to see it, but it was really hit and miss. Well, I, and I, so, I understand though that, that, that Catherine Kuhlman played a very integral part in that. Well, exactly. Because, you know, I figured this was normal. You know, we pastoring small churches, we, um, um, saw some people healed once in a while. And then in 1972, that's 49 years ago, I went to a Catherine Kuhlman service in Pittsburgh with a group from our area in Canada. And there, I first of all saw what I always thought God should be doing. You know, if there is a God, he is who he says he is. We should saw so many people healed, so many people set free, and so many people converted. But in that meeting, Richard, the life-changing thing for me was I saw somebody, her name was Catherine Kuhlman. You know her, I mean, very- I knew her very Interesting well. lady. And uh, I saw a person who knew Holy Spirit. It was, for me, it was theology. You know, I taught he was a person, but for me, I was treating him like a force or power. And something in me said, if she can know him, like that I can, because, you know, Jesus said in John 14, uh, you will know him because he's going to live with you. And in that meeting, it was life-changing. I, I had a lady sitting beside me and I actually went to criticize because, you know, I was told by my uh, superiors, well, she's not even Pentecostal and you need to be careful of these people. And uh, she, she said um, she was a Catholic lady. And uh, she said, uh, you know, I said, why would you come? And uh, she said, I need a miracle. 
And she found out I was a Pentecostal pastor and she patted me, said, I'm so glad I'm sitting beside you. And I, I thought, yeah, you're blessed. You know, I was so arrogant in those days. I was 27 years of age. And um, then the service started. And wow, that lady received a miracle. And, and I just started weeping. And Holy Spirit, Richard, Holy Spirit came to me. He came to me and, and I felt his finger. And he, he said this, because the lady said, what, what's she doing to them? They were falling down. I said, this is the power of God. When I said that, he came. Yes. It's still emotional to me. He came. He said, yes, this is my power. You've never seen it. You've never experienced it. You have had a form of godliness. You've denied my power. Well, I started weeping. I never intended to do that. I didn't even know I was denying God's power. But I made a commitment. First of all, I don't know you. You know, just because you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues doesn't mean you know him. That's right. I mean, you can meet anybody, you know, and, and they give you a gift and you've met them. But to know somebody, you have to live with them, walk with them. And so I made a commitment, Richard. I will give them the rest of my life pursuing you because you can't possess what you don't what you don't pursue. And I started pursuing him. And um, out of that, I mean, on the bus of, with our group on the way home, miracles started happening. Revival broke out when we came back. Um, I wasn't even talking about healing and people were getting healed. It was just, and, you know, it's, it's a, so to me, anointing is relationship with the person of Holy Spirit. Yes. And he became my best friend. He continues to be my best friend. Out of that came not only um you know, a nationwide ministry here in Canada, but internationally and uh, crusades around the world and seeing so many people touch and healed a television program across Canada that went on for, I think, close to 35 years and uh, uh, just so many things. And then our mission to the Arctic, our mission field is the far north. You've been there with me. And um, so it's amazing what can happen when you pursue Holy Spirit. Uh, Bill. Uh, of course, growing up under my father, Earl Roberts, I learned about the healing ministry from when I was a boy. And then, of course, I entered the healing ministry myself. But it was Catherine Kuhlman who had also a profound effect upon my life because I traveled with her for several years in those early days, in 73, 74, 75. And as you know, she not only had that meeting in Pittsburgh monthly, but she also had one in Los Angeles at the Shrine Auditorium, and, and that's, that's the one that I went to so many times, and she would have me sing. I was not yet preaching and praying for the sick, but she would prophesy over me, and I would see the great miracles, and the who's who of Hollywood in those days were on the first four or five rows and being ministered to because she was a phenomenon, and most of what I know about the operation of the Word of Knowledge, I learned under Catherine Kuhlman, and I'm so thrilled to know the impact that she had on your life. Now, a moment ago, you mentioned uh, up in the Arctic, not only in the Canadian Arctic, but also in the Russian Arctic. And I saw a video of you and the president of your organization, Stephen, uh, just the other day. Can you share what's going on up in the Arctic? I know I was, I've been involved with you for several years there, but I wanna hear about the Canadian Arctic as well as what's happening in the Russian Arctic. Well, you know, if you had have told me years ago, you're going to be involved in missions and you're going to do mission work. And I would have been excited because to me, 
missions was tropics, palm trees. Every missionary, <laughs> every missionary I saw showed these slides, you know, of all these tropics. I, I love it. I love it because some people say to me, I'll never go north. God wouldn't call me north because I don't like the cold. I hate the cold <laughs> and I don't care for the food. I, I like my meat cooked, you yes. know, and Eskimos, <laughs> Eskimos eat their meat raw many times. So um, anyway, God called me there because the, the national scripture for our nation of Canada is Psalm 72, 8. It, that was, that was the scripture that they, when they formed Canada um, way back in Prince Edward Island, uh, they were men of God. Many of them were men of God. And they came up with Psalm 72, 8 that said, describe the nation and the ge geographic nation and also describe the mandate. He shall have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. And so, you know, God spoke to me after um, uh, it was probably 1975 or so. We just had a great healing service in Winnipeg in the center of Canada uh, in the convention center there. And I mean, I think a couple of thousand people and so many people got healed and touched. And I went back to the hotel and God said, you haven't done what I told you. And I said, I reminded God of what we just wow. come out of. I thought it was pretty good. You, you know? thought you were doing what you were supposed to be doing. Well, have you ever felt, uh, found that it's really hard to um, impress God? <laughs> <laughs> like, like really, I get impressed with myself sometimes, and then <laughs> what? What? But no, he he said I called you to Canada, and then he showed me the picture of Canada. Well, there's there's so much up north, and you know when our forefathers formed this country, they talked about that as the ends of the earth. So I started going up first to the. Uh, First Nation, the Indian people, the, their meetings and had services with them. It was wonderful. But then I went into the Arctic and I thought it was the ends of the earth. It was Southern Arctic then. And I fell in love. I fell in love with the people. I mean, I, they're amazing people, you know, to survive in the conditions that they do and have. And uh, for many, many years, lived in tents in the summer and igloos in the winter. They lived like that. That was it, out on the tundra with the caribou and then in Russia, the reindeer. And uh, uh, But I fell in love with these people. They're amazing. And when, you know, when you fall in love, you, you keep doing things. You know, we visited your dad just days before he passed away in his home in California. And he prayed for us, laid hands on us. And we knew that we had received an impartation that took us to a whole new level. We also knew that we didn't receive a mantle from him because he told us who the mantle went to. <laughs> <laughs> and he was so proud of you. He oh, was so excited you. what God was doing. And um, so, but he told us something. He said, and this was the key, I think, to healing ministry for him. I fell in love with the sick people. Yes. And I fell in hate with sickness. Yeah. And so, in other words, you have to have an attitude. But when you fall in love with whatever, you can't stop. You know, you know that with Lindsay. I know that with Gwen. Mm. And you just keep. So I kept going. We, we built churches. We had meetings. We had conferences all over the North. And um, and, and we're really, again, you know, feeling pretty impressed. Hey, look what we're doing. And um, 
you know, I, I mean, I was in weather when it was um, with a windshield over 70 below. And when it gets to minus 40, it's the same in Fahrenheit and Celsius. And then it doesn't matter. There's cold, very cold and stinking cold. And then <laughs> it goes it goes from there. And but, you know, it was great. But I thought, OK, we're, we've pretty well done it. And then I found out there were Inuit or Eskimo people in Russia who had never heard. Never heard the gospel. The gospel. And um, the feeling is that most historians, that all of the Canadian Inuit, pure Inuit or Eskimo, came from Mongolia. Years, I mean, years mm -hmm. and years and years ago, crossed and, over the Bering Strait. They, and they have that look. They have that look on their faces and in their they eyes. They look exactly the same. Yes. yes, yes. And so many of the Inuit leaders have told me that that's, that's exactly what they feel and that's what's been passed down. And so we had to go and we went, first of all, to the far eastern part, you know, go to Nome, Alaska, charter plane, go into closed military zone. And I'll tell you how we got permission to do that. God said, take Canadian Inuit leaders. Mm -hmm. They'll believe the message because of the messenger. Because when I first went up north here in Canada, uh, I had to fight the cultural thing. I mean, they were hostile. Many were hostile. I mean, many received, but uh, I was forbidden in some communities because they thought if we accept your message, we're going to have to accept your culture, which is so wrong. But sure. that's what missionaries have done. You know, you, you got to sing our music. You got to you got to dress like us and all this. So because to me, uh, the gospel doesn't destroy your culture. It perfects it. Yes. You know, in northern Canada and in Russia, the best hunters, the best fishermen, the best leaders are those who are serving God because they're clear minded mm -hmm. and they're you know, they've been made whole. So we went and Richard, we had such a move of God in these communities that had never heard the gospel before whole communities being swept in the kingdom it was phenomenal i mean i've got story after story about that area to the point that we were um they say i was never arrested but i've been detained a few times in russia and in in the far east i was charged with uh, practicing medicine without a license <laughs> hypnotizing hypnotizing people and spying. I, I had that once happen to me too. But that's another story for another day. <laughs> yeah, well, everybody should, everybody should have at least once, you know, I've had it, I think three times, but I said to the head guy through the interpreter, I said, do you really think I'm a spy? No, but this is very serious, he said. So they, they, they wouldn't let us go there anymore. Russia forbid us to going to the far East. And, um, uh, then you, you won't be allowed back in. And, and so that bothered me. But let me tell you what happened. The believers, the new believers in that area went to the authorities and said, if you don't let the Canadians come back, we will go. We'll go to every community because they, I mean, they're indigenous people. They live there. This is their land. And we will do what they did. Let me tell you what would normally take a few generations to do. I mean, in probably a few months they rose up, they were filled with the Holy Ghost, they went, they had revival. Many of them were beaten up, many of them were bruised, but the only, their church constitution, the only one they have is the book of Acts. So they meet every day, they worship every day, they go house to house, and they, when they're beaten up, they check the book of Acts, and say, yep, right on target here, <laughs> and they rejoiced. So 
I thought, okay, Russia's done. This is over. This was back in, in um, probably 1996. And um, then I'm coming back from Arctic Canada. And I'm reading a newspaper. It's got an article about a group of people called the Nenets. Mm-hmm. who still live in reindeer skin tents, still follow the reindeer. They're on the far west, northwest of Russia, which is what, 11 and a half time zones across or something. And, um, um, and they'd never heard the gospel. They worshiped idols. And in their language, their area means the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. I said to my wife and son who were traveling That's with me, I said, I got to go. Part of your I got to go. We, this is it. We got to go. The ends of the earth keeps growing. And so um, I didn't even know how to do it. A, a guy connected me who had seen some of our videos and uh, uh, said, you know, uh, I'm, I'm there. I'm a YWAM missionary here. He's from Montana. And he said, I want to help you. So they set up a base camp. We went and we started ministering to people that were just outside of the communities, you know, in, in the tents. But there was, they kept telling me, most of them are so far north, you can't get to them. And so I tried to explain to Jesus that there's no way to get to these people. <laughs> and he kept saying, go. <laughs> I said, no, but you don't understand. It's like the disciples when he said, feed them. Well, no, you don't understand here. There's not enough food. We don't have any money. I said, no, no. So I go through the whole thing. No, no, you don't understand. There is no way to get there. He said, go. So I sent a message to our rep in St. Petersburg, and I said, look, we're going to come. I'm going to bring a team of Canadian Inuit leaders, Christian leaders that we'd ministered over the years, and you find a way for us to get there. He sends back, they found some tanks, tank, old military tanks. Yes. He said, these things go across the tundra. They'll go anywhere. They'll now, go through water. They'll go th- through snow. That's what I saw in the video you showed last week. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, and so they're, they're really not nice. <laughs> they're fumy. They're normally cold. There's no heat. The last trip my wife did with me, we spent 46 hours in the back of one of these tanks in, in frigid, probably 45, 40 below zero, um, out in the tundra to get to a village that had never heard the gospel. Wow. And once you got there, you're only halfway at when you're finished, you had to go back 46 hours back. It's pretty rough. But um, um, out of that came a ministry that I'd never dreamed of having. We have had the privilege of ministering to these people living on the tundra who had never heard the gospel wow. before. And, and let me tell you, Richard, it's harvest time. And when it's harvest time in Tulsa, or in Canada, it's harvest time all over the world. You know, we, we right. got to one tent. We got to one tent. This is years ago. And um, the man came out. And this is the custom. You know, the man will come out or the men will come out and they'll talk to our interpreter. He'll explain who we are, what we want to do. We want to have a service. And of course, they've never had a service. And the women will be busy in the tent. They've all got one pretty outfit you know usually cloth flowers and they'll be fixing up and put ribbons in the girl's hair because this is an event they have visitors and so my interpreter came back and this is what he said Richard he said he said he's been waiting for you and I, I thought he's lying he didn't know we we're coming you know there's no way to tell him you're coming. and this is what the man told him we knew there was a God and we didn't know how to get to him 
So night after night, we would go outside, look up at the moon and the stars, and as loud as we could, we would say, whoever you are, send somebody to tell us how to get to you. Yes. Wow. Wow. So it was pretty easy. <laughs> I mean, we just had to tell them how to get to God. We had to introduce them to Jesus. The whole family came to Christ. And you saw healings as well. Oh, my goodness. So many healings because our team right now, right now is in Arctic Russia, right on the Arctic Circle ministering and sent me some pictures this morning wow. um and because they've got they've got wi-fi over in a lot of these areas now because of oil and whatnot in military and uh, he sent me a picture of a man and he told me his name when this guy was about four years old we visited his mother in a in a tent and the family and uh, this boy was born crippled he was just crawling around, was not able to walk. Now, she had become a Christian, which was intriguing because, you know, people haven't been reached out there unless we were, we were the only ones reaching them. And I, so I asked that. She gave her life to Jesus through a man named Sergei, who is a Nana, who lives in the tundra. And he's, his life was saved and transformed through reading a book written by Kenneth Copeland, The Laws of Prosperity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> One of my favorite Copeland's, books. Copeland, Copeland's had supplied thousands of books in Russian and we distributed them. Somebody gave it to this guy when he was going through one of the communities. He, that's the only book he had. He read it and read it and read it and devoured it and became on fire for God. He was saved, filled with spirit, and he believed it's God's will to heal everybody and bless them. So this was the lady's background. She'd been saved through this. We call him Sergei the Nenet. And so I said to her, well, we're going to pray for your son that he'll be healed. Now, Richard, this is this is a, I mean, a million miles from anything that looks the, it's similar. It's the, the ends of the earth, no doubt. The ends Except of the earth. We're out on the tundra. You can't see anything in any distance, in any direction. And we're in this tent with these people living like they have thousands of years ago. And I said to her, we're going to pray for your son to be healed today. She stood at attention and through the interpreter said, he was healed 2000 years ago. Wow. <laughs> I just started laughing so hard. <laughs> I said, you're right. I mean, here we are, you know, ministering to those that we most would consider very primitive native people. And she's correcting my theology. And I said, you're right. You're absolutely right. I said, we're going to believe for the manifestation of the healing. And she said, duh, we prayed for him and the boy was healed, totally healed. Started walking around the tent. A few years later, Gwen and I and a team were on a summer trip. And the summer trips, we take a boat up the river and all the people camp along the river so you can visit them. And so we'd stop and visit. The kids were playing a game. I think it was uh, soccer or baseball or something. But there was one particular kid really running faster than anybody else and doing stuff. And our interpreter, uh, Igor, said, do you, do you remember that boy? And this was a few years after. And I said, no, he was a boy that was healed. Wow. He was a boy. And, and then, so just today, this this morning, when I got up, Igor sent me a picture. Guess who I'm with? He's with this woman and her son. And the guy's a man now. 
but loving and serving Jesus. You see people like this that are healed, and yet, Bill, there are still a lot of Christians who believe that miracles died out with the apostles. I saw a video recently of a man, uh, he will remain nameless, he was teaching that there were three particular times in history where God healed. The first was in the days of Moses and Joshua, which, ex- which spanned about 100 years if you take both of their lives. And then, in the, and then God stopped healing, and then he started healing again during the lifespan of Elijah and Elisha, which was once again about 100 years. And then during the earthly life of Jesus and his disciples, his 12, which spanned about 100 years. But now miracles have died out. What do you say to people who, who ha- hear you testify of healings like this young man you just described, and yet today they still don't believe that God can do what he used to do? I feel so sorry for them. They're missing out. I mean, really, what good is a church that was birthed in power and supernatural if it just fizzles and becomes just a religion? I mean, there's no difference in between that and any other religion. But you see, our problem in the church, when unsaved people hear that uh, and hear us preaching, what doesn't make sense to them, if we say Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, anything he's ever done, he can and wants to do now. And then their question is, well, okay, why aren't things happening? I mean, that, and that's a good question. And the fact is they are. If they watch your ministry, mm-hmm. our ministry, or many others, they are. Miracles are happening. Yours. I mean, you're, you're seeing them every day, and so are we. We're hearing so many testimonies. But, but it's so easy you know, for me as an evangelist, like, honestly, my my ideal of camping is getting a nice hotel room with my wife or maybe a suite <laughs> and ordering room service in and maybe sitting on the floor if you want to rough it. But so I don't I don't enjoy the roughing. But as an evangelist to reach people that have never been reached and the, the video you saw, I told the story and I'll make it quick. Um, we were traveling along. And we saw this, this tents, actually two tents. So we go over and, you know, when you're doing this, you're not going to have big meetings. You know, you know, Benny Hinn said to me once, yeah, Benny, Benny Hinn said to me once, Bill, I want you to come on the program and bring some footage of your crusades in Russia. <laughs> he, he had just got back from Africa, I think, where he had a million people. I said, well, I, I don't have any footage of crusades because we don't do that. And uh, one of his guys was trying to explain to him, you know, and he and he just I told him I've got great footage of a service we had for one man. And I can tell you about that. That's that blew my mind, changed my life. But this time uh, we got to this family and they were excited. Again, the women went in, they got fixed up and came out and they sat on their sleighs in you know, outside and we, we had the service, but the old man, he was a grandfather, the patriarch, he was hardly getting around. He had a walking stick and he was bent over. He looked, you could tell he was in intense pain. And I thought, this is a man who, who has no hope. There's no medical help out there. I mean, they just, it is what it is. And in the end, and obviously his condition would keep getting worse. And so we just started to explain to him through the interpreter that, you know, God, they knew there was a God. They knew that. I mean, most Native people are smart enough to understand there, there's a God. And um, so then I said, he loves you. He loves you so much. He sent his son and his son loves you so much 
that he died for you, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again and he's alive and he loves you so much that he wants to help you. He wants to heal you. And before I could finish, this old man shuffles right up in front of me and basically says, okay, <laughs> he wasn't going to debate. He thought, this is good news. You know, first time he'd ever heard that he could be helped or healed. And so he, he, the interpreter said, he wants to know how this works. Well, it's a little awkward to try to explain to somebody who's never seen anything, you know, how, how we do this. I Well, normally we put our hands on you and we ask God to heal you. And, um, he said, okay. So he's so no teaching other than God loves him, and and uh, which is the best teaching. We laid our hands on him, and Richard, the power of God went through his body. I mean, he shot it was like lightning. He shot up straight. He threw his walking stick away. His eyes changed. They became bright, and he started laughing and laughing because he was pain free. First time in years. His family said. We've never seen him laugh. It's been years. And so then, you know, one of the stupidest questions I've ever asked anybody, I said, would you like to give your life to this Jesus? To the one who just healed you. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> In Russia, the word for yes is duh. He's a duh. <laughs> and yeah, it was. And so the whole family came to Christ because of that one miracle. And, and, and so, I mean, to try to evangelize, without the power of God and without miracles is, is trying to do something very different than Jesus did. Yeah. Bill, when I went to Niger um, in uh, West Africa, and Niger is a French-speaking Muslim nation. Uh, when I went to Niger some years ago, I was told there were only 5,000 Christians in the whole nation of 12 million people. And um, when I went there for the crusade, um, the leaders uh, were on the radio preaching against me. And they were saying, do not go to any meeting with Richard Roberts. There will be no miracles. And they were on the loudspeakers. I heard them, and I heard them speaking in the, uh, in the Hausa language, which I would be interpreted in, and also in the French language, the, the national language. And I'd hear my name, and I would say to the interpreter, what are they saying? And they were saying, well, don't go to the Richard Roberts crusade. There will be no miracles. We don't believe in miracles. Miracles don't happen anymore. And uh, I just laughed because I knew what God was going to do. And the first night, there were, the first two nights, there were a number of blind people and, and deaf people that were healed. And they stopped talking about uh, no more miracles when they saw the miracles. And 35,000 people gave their hearts to Christ that wow. week in Niger. Wow. That's seven times more uh, than that had believed and were Christians in the nation at all. When the people see the miracle power of yep. God, it changes everything. Well, um, it does. You know, Jesus said, you know, where to go into all the world. And he said, you will be my witnesses. Now, you know, if you go into a court of law, and you give your story, you give your testimony, the judge or the lawyer will say, what evidence do you have? And I mean, if we, we say, you know, God's the same, he loves you, he's alive, they'll say, what evidence do you have? And if you say in a court, well, I don't have any evidence, just believe my story, they don't, they'll kick you out. And we have expected, the church has expected people to believe our story just because we say so. And like, wake up, it's not working of the signs and wonders. I mean, our whole ministry to the North, the first community I went to, 
they were doing the same thing on the local radio telling the Anglican minister, the only church in town was telling people, don't go, uh, you know, you can't go. And I said, well, most people didn't know I was coming to town. And so that was great publicity that everybody came because <laughs> in those days there was no satellite TV. There was no, I mean, there was the best thing going. So they all came and uh, the, I couldn't find one, what we consider, you know, full gospel believer. But I found one man who spoke English very good and spoke Inuktitut, their language very well. So we got him to be our interpreter. And so meeting started and it was chaotic. The place was packed, but you know, some ladies were standing breastfeeding their babies and people were running around, you know, it's crazy. We tried to sing, but they, they didn't know. They'd never sung. Most of them had never been in service. And God gave me a word of knowledge towards the beginning of the service. And that somebody was being healed that had severed their spine and could not walk. And, and doctors said it would be impossible for them ever walk. And I tell people, if anybody tells you it's impossible, they're wrong. They forgot about Jesus. And so I, I said that and the interpreter said nothing. So I thought he didn't hear. So I said it again. He said nothing. I looked at him and he's just glaring at me. Like he thought there might be a God, but he sure knew that if there was, he wasn't going to heal anybody. So I had a little talk with him. <laughs> I said, look, your job is to tell him what I'm saying. That's it. You're not here to think. You're here to tell him what I say. So he kind of shrugged. He said it. And Richard, from the back of the auditorium, a man came running down the aisle screaming. And what I didn't know, because when I looked out, everybody looked fine. You know, they were sitting or standing and, and looked fine. They had brought him in, apparently, and laid him on a mattress in the very back. He'd been in a snow machine accident the year before. The doctor said his spine was severed. He'd never be able to walk. And so everybody in town knew him. Well, he came running up. I didn't know he's yelling, but I didn't understand his language. And I didn't know whether he's happy or mad. I didn't know who he was. And he ran right to my interpreter and picked the interpreter up and held him up. And sometimes you're very thankful for an interpreter, you know, because I'm thinking he's going to kill me. And I said, what's going on? And the interpreter said, this is the man. This is the man. I said, what man? The man that God just healed. Because <laughs> nothing makes a believer quicker than a miracle. And with that, Richard, most of the people got up and walked to the front. Yeah. And, and I'm saying, well, no, no, no. Just a minute here. We, we didn't have our order to begin with, but I thought we got to get order. I haven't preached yet. And, they, you know, they can't get saved unless we, we preach. <laughs> and so, but I, I looked. That's, that's and they, man's theology. <laughs> well, yeah. And because, and you know, God apparently can do whatever he wants, whatever. I looked and many of them were crying. And they were throwing stuff out of their bags, drugs, alcohol, pornography, everything down on the floor. And um, the interpreter said this. They're saying this is what we've been looking for. Yeah. You see, everybody, you know this, everybody is created with a craving and desire yes. for the supernatural. It's like a godlike vacu vacuum in everybody. Yeah, yeah, not to be religious, but connect with the supernatural. That's why the occult does so well, because if they don't find supernatural in the church, they're going to look elsewhere yeah. and the, settle for a counterfeit. The, the man that Jesus healed, the blind man that Jesus healed, they came to him afterwards and they said, do you know who healed you? He said, no, but I want to. There's something about a miracle. It makes you want to know the one who did the miracle. Bill, there are people 
there are people that are watching right now who hear you're hearing you describe these miracles and they're saying, is this possible for me? Two things I want you to do because you, like I, are an evangelist. An evangelist is always reaching out to the lost. Two things I want you to do. Number one, I want you to pray for people to receive this one who did these miracles in the Arctic because he's the same God who will do it here in Canada as well as here in the United States. And then I also want you to pray for people's healing. So would you do those two things right now? I I would love to, Richard. And um, let me tell you, you know, that was just the beginning in that community. We were there three nights. The second night, the Anglican's wife came forbidden, but she came and she got healed. Third night, he came, gave his life to Jesus. A church was established in those three days out of the miracles, and God can do it again. So God's alive, and I just want to say to anybody that's listening or watching today that God loves you. God loves you. If you can believe that, I mean, he not only loves you, he likes you. He knows you better than anybody else. But he likes you. He cares about you. He loves you. And he wants to help you. And, you know, everybody will say, well, I don't deserve it. It's got nothing to do with that. My goodness, if we got what we deserve, we'd all be in hell today. But this is God's love, God's grace. And it's so easy. It's so easy that most people miss it. They They say, well, it can't be that easy. It's the greatest thing that can ever happen to you. And it's the easiest thing. But you see... Nobody has ever become a believer or a Christian or been saved or born again without doing something. Every miracle is two parts, your part and God's part. God did his part by paying the price. And now Jesus is standing at your heart's door knocking. But he won't force himself in. You have to open the door and you have to invite him in. That's it. That's all you have to do is say, Jesus, come into my life. Just forgive me you will find such peace. I mean, I grew up in church. I grew up religious and I had no peace. I had no hope. I I was afraid to die because I didn't know where I was going. And people in my church said, well, you can't know for sure you're going to heaven. The night I gave my life to Jesus, invited him in, I knew, I knew without a shadow of a doubt where I'd be 10,000 years from now. And I've never doubted it since. That was a long time. You can know. The Bible says these things are written that you can know that you have eternal life. Those that have the son have life and those that do not have the son of God do not have life. So right now, just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, come into my heart. That's all you have to do. Just forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Wash me clean. And dear Jesus. And dear Jesus. I give you my life. I give you my life. I will love you. I will love you. And serve you. And serve you. Amen. That's it. That's it. If you did that and believed it, it's done. The Bible says everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you know, Jesus paid the price for you to be healed. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul talks about this and says, many in the church are sick. Many are weak and many are dying or sleeping because they've never understood the Lord's body. Jesus paid the price for you to be forgiven of sin with your blood, with his blood, but he paid the price for your healing by his body being ripped apart. He cared that much. It has to be so offensive to him for anybody to debate, well, I'm not sure he wants to heal me. Are you kidding me? 
after he paid that price, it's paid for, it's forgiven. All you have to do is receive. And so right now, by faith, I lay my hands on you. And I speak the fire of God to go through your body. I speak healing into your body right now. I feel there's an anointing for cancer. If you have or suspect of cancer, put your hand in the area of your body where it is. And in Jesus' name, we command that cancer to be burned out. Every cell to be whole. In the name of Jesus, we speak to mountains in your life and say, mountains be removed. I believe there's chronic conditions being healed. The doctors have told you, you'll always have this. Well, they forgot about Jesus. In the name of Jesus, arthritis, I command you to go back to the pit of hell where you, it belongs. And God, I speak healing to flow. Right now, from the crown of your head to the tips of your toes, receive your miracle. Receive your healing. This is your day of breakthrough. I pray for you for peace and joy in the Holy Ghost, fire in every fiber of your being. And I pray that you will receive what Jesus paid for, life and that more abundantly. In his name, be healed, be whole, body, soul, spirit. Amen. I feel God's touching people right now, Richard. And according to scripture in Matthew 18, 18 and 19, I set my faith in an agreement with Pastor Bill's prayer. The Bible says, if two shall agree on earth as concerning anything they shall ask, it shall be done. And I Amen. set my faith with you for it to be done in Jesus name. Amen. So glad Amen. you're able to watch and to listen to this special podcast today. And Pastor Bill, thank you so much for being my very special guest. Now, I do have one bone to pick with you before we close. And that is, I want to know, uh, I want to know a tremendous theological answer from you on why over the past couple of weeks, it's been colder here than it has been in Canada. I want to know why. I don't understand how it can be below zero here and above zero in Canada. I just don't get it. It's beyond your understanding. <laughs> okay. All right. I accept that you know, answer. <laughs> you, you know what your dad told us? Your dad said, because somebody, he was talking about when your mom died, you know, five years before he died. And the, the question was, did you ask God why? Without hesitating, he said, I've never asked God why about anything. And, you know, I've learned that the hard way, because I have asked God why on some things. And he goes silent. <laughs> he won't answer. He wants you to trust my faith. So just have faith and just rejoice for us people. We've got snow. It's cold, but not as cold as to you in Tulsa. And we're set up for it. So so we're happy. And um, God bless you. <laughs> God bless you, Bill. Thank you so much for being uh, my very special guest today. And join me next week here on Expect a Miracle with, with Richard Roberts for another outstanding guest. God richly bless you. See you next time. We have a free gift for you. Just go to oralroberts.com slash bookstore to find the Healing and Wholeness Scriptures PDF and download it for free. We believe God wants you healed and whole in all areas of your life. This scripture list will build your faith and understanding that it is truly God's desire for you to be well. And if you would like to support this podcast or other outreaches of this ministry, please go to oralroberts.com. When you give to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, we pray your giving will be abundantly multiplied back to you according to God's word in Luke 638.